الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وأما من خاف مقام ربه ونهى النفس عن الهوى فإن الجنة هي المأوى صدق الله العظيم Most respected students of deen, mothers and sisters, this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, وَأَمَّا مَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ وَنَهَنْ نَفْسَ عَنِ الْهَوَى فَإِنَّ الْجَنَّةَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَى That the person who fears standing in front of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala this refers to the day of Qiyamah when every person will have to give an account of his deeds answer for what he did what he spoke what he acted on what kind of decisions were made in the heart resolutions all this a person would be accountable for one is just a passing thought that is something that is not in a person's control but those resolutions, decisions that a person made I will do this, I will do that even that will be accountable so if a person has this consciousness of accountability of having to answer for one's deeds on the day of Qiyamah having to stand in front of Allah wa Ta'ala and explain and because a person has this fear of accountability, fear of standing on the day of Qiyamah and having to answer for one's deeds, so as a result a person then restrains oneself from all the evil desires, from the haram desires, then Jannat will be such a person's abode. The lesson that is being given to us here is, that in order to remain steadfast on deen, to progress in deen, to stay away from violating and breaking the commands of Allah wa ta'ala, from trampling on the rights of the servants of Allah ta'ala, there is really nothing that can put a person onto this path of refraining from doing the wrong Nothing can save a person and become a barrier and an obstacle from committing the wrong except the fear of accountability. The conviction and the deep realization, the yaqeen that I have to stand on the day of Qiyamah and give an account of my deeds and I can never escape this. In dunya, we can perhaps get away with many things but we can't get away from Allah wa ta'ala. And the person who doesn't have this fear of accountability, that person will do anything and everything and think nothing about it. But those who had this fear, then even something that seems minor to us, but they realize that this is not minor, this too is something that is very important, very serious. Therefore we can't take chances. We've got to set the wrong right. Abdullah bin Mubarak rahmatullah alayhi, the great muhaddith Bukhari Sharif 
numerous narrations have Abdullah bin Mubarak in its chain of narrators. He has been one of the narrators of those hadith. The Ustad of Imam Bukhari such a great person. He was in Sham in Syria and he borrowed a pen from somebody. So he borrowed the pen, he used it and he forgot about returning it. It got left in his pocket. It happens sometimes. The person used something and then forgets about it by chance, by mistake. So he forgot about this pen in his pocket and he left from Sham, from Syria and he came all the way down to Iran, to Maru. Now he is far away distance from where he left and we are talking about the travelling of that time through deserts, through jungles, there is no roads, on horseback or camelback and now he's come all the way to Maru, to Iran. And here he realizes that he still has this pen with him, which he borrowed from somebody, and he forgot to return it. Now how much is that pen worth? Especially the pens of those days, there was no expensive Parker pens and fountain pens and whatever else. So it was a simple pen. So he took a U-turn. And he went back all the way to Sham, to Syria. Now how much of time that it took in that time, even in these days if a person just flies also, but it's still a long story. In that zamana it must have taken a couple of days or weeks perhaps, several weeks. He travelled all the way back to Sham, where he found the person who he borrowed the pen from, and returned that pen back in that person's hand, and then he came again. Now what is going to make a person do this? To come all the way from, Shah, from Iran back to Sham to return one pen. This can only be the fear of accountability. That this is not mine, belongs to somebody else. If I just keep it for myself, it's not the end of the matter. If I just discard it, it's not the end of the matter. The day of Qiyamah is coming. And I would be questioned about it. And if I have done wrong, I have misplaced somebody's thing deliberately, I have trampled somebody's rights, on the day of Qiyamah, this is something that I would be questioned about. And I cannot get away from that day. Therefore, I cannot afford to just be uh, casual with these things. I cannot afford to just forget about it. I have to put it right. If it means traveling all the way thousands of kilometers, I got to travel. I got to go and give it back. Now this is the fear of Allah Ta'ala and the fear of the day of judgment, the fear of accountability that drives a person in this way. Can we imagine that our situation, have we reflected how many things we do, how many things we say, how many things we think and we don't give it a second thought. Whereas the accountability is coming. There is no get away from it. We can get away from something today, tomorrow, but for how long? And while the day of Qiyamah is a certainty, many a times in this dunya already a person gets taken to task. In various ways, person gets taken to task in this very world. 
So what we have to do is constantly remind ourselves of this reality of Akhirat, of this accountability, and reflect upon our deeds. What have I done? Can I answer for this? Can I answer for what I, how I reacted to somebody, for example? For example, my parents said something to me. Now my parents said something to me, and I was not happy about what they said. For whatever reason, I wasn't happy about it. So how did I respond? I responded in a rude manner, in an abrupt manner. And I thought, well, how can they just tell me this or that? So I also will tell them what I want to tell them. So now the thing for me to do is to sit down and reflect and ponder over the situation that now the day of Qiyamah has come. The day of Qiyamah has come and now I have now been called upon to answer for my deeds. So on the one side is the command of Allah Ta'ala that وَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفٍ وَلَا تَرْهَنْ تَنْهَرْهُمَا Don't even say uff to them. Don't rebuke them. Now this is the command of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. And as we were speaking, as we were reacting, as we were responding, all this was being recorded. مَا يَلْفِذُ مِنْ قَوْلٍ إِلَّا لَدَيْهِ رَقِيبٌ عَتِيدٌ That a person never utters a single word except that it is recorded. He can't get away from it. A single word also, it is recorded. And on the day of Qiyamah, he cannot deny anything, he cannot try to hide anything, he cannot try to distort anything, he cannot try to misinterpret something, cannot try to just change the word somewhere. Everything is in front of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. So now this command was there, that don't even say oof to your parents, don't even rebuke them in any way, speak harshly to them. And now the person has been called up. I've been called up. Okay, this was the command of Allah Ta'ala. How did you act upon this command? Your mother said something to you one day and you were not happy about it. How did you react? What did you say? Now imagine yourself. The day of Qiyamah is there. One side is Jannat. The other side is Jahannam. On the day of Qiyamah, nobody is interested in anybody else. Everybody for themselves. Only Nabi Wasallam will be concerned about his Ummatis. But at the same time, if we have disobeyed Allah's Nabi Wasallam, we have disobeyed Allah wa Ta'ala, then on that day, مَنْ ذَلَّذِي Nobody can intercede on behalf of anyone except by the permission of Allah wa Ta'ala. If the permission of Allah Ta'ala is not there, nobody will be able to intercede. So now this command of Allah Ta'ala is there on the one side, how I acted upon it is there on the other side. And now the day of Qiyamah has come. Can I give a response that will be satisfactory? Or will I be taken to task? Will this become the reason for my punishment? Allah Ta'ala save us. Now what is necessary is for us to sit and think about it. The day of Qiyamah is coming. My words, my deeds. How did I respond to my parents? Did I act upon the Quran Sharif's ayat? That لَهُمَا مِنَ الرَّحْمَةِ That become totally humble in front of your parents. Like the Sahabi, Nu'man bin Bashir, radiallahu an, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa hears his voice in Jannat, that he is reciting Quran Sharif. And what was this in lieu of? That kana bar ran li ummi. He was extremely obedient to his mother. 
and to the point, to the extent that he never ever raised his voice in front of his mother. If his mother said something and he did not hear it clearly, he did not hear what was the command or what was the instruction or what was the request or what his mother had to say, then he would call his wife aside and quietly ask her that what did my mother say? Because he did not want to give her the taklif of repeating it and he did not want to even speak on top of his voice to ask that what did she say? He would call his wife aside and ask her that what did my mother say? This was the level of his obedience to his mother. Now that mother is also insan, she is also a human being and she can also err. She can also make mistakes. She can sometimes make a misjudgment and we will go one step beyond that. We will say that that parent can sometimes even make a wrong judgment and sometimes can even deliberately do something wrong. Allah Ta'ala save us all. It can happen. But whatever that parent has done, that is their matter between them and Allah Ta'ala. If the parent was wrong, it doesn't give the child any license to also be wrong. Two wrongs don't make a right. The parent was wrong, that is their issue between them and Allah Ta'ala. And if we react wrongly to the parent, that is now our issue, we are going to be taken to task for that. The parent's wrong won't justify our wrong. So we have to be right. And inshallah, when we will react correctly, and we will react properly, then that will become the means also of the parents also doing things correctly. So let us be concerned about how we do our thing, what we are supposed to do. And all these things are to be understood. Many a times people come up with this, that everybody is negative towards me, this person is negative towards me, and that person is negative towards me, that person doesn't like me, and that person is abrupt and rude to me, all these things carrying on. So the first thing is that this is dunya, and to some extent these things unfortunately go on. We have to learn to just take all these things in our stride and move on. And don't get caught up in these side issues. Don't let our focus and attention be distracted by these side issues. For that moment we will feel upset maybe. For that moment we will feel a little bit awkward. But we just carry on and inshallah it will all just fade away. And all just fizzle away. And we won't even notice it after a few hours. Provided that we don't want to get stuck in it. Provided that we want to move on with life, then this will become easy. But if we don't have that focus that I need to move ahead, all these side issues I'm not going to bother about. If we don't have that attitude, we'll get caught in all the side issues. And the main things in life will get left aside. So in any case we are saying that many a times people have this, that so and so doesn't like me and so and so does, is like this to me and that person doesn't. Many a times this is just in our mind. It's just in our mind. We are drawing these conclusions based on our misunderstanding and whatever else. So most of the time this is in our mind. It could be that somebody was upset with us for a moment but not that that person doesn't like us. Just that that person got irritated for a moment and that passed. He even or she even forgot about it. But now we made that an issue in our heart. This person doesn't like me. So firstly, often this is just in our mind. And the second thing is, if it is a reality also, 
much of this can be changed with our own attitude. And what is that? Much of the emotions can be understood like throwing a ball on something like a wall. You throw the ball, what happens? When you throw the ball, it will knock on that wall and the same thing will then rebound and come back to you. So if a person has thrown that ball at a wall very lightly, then it will hit that wall and it will bounce somewhere close to the wall and it will get left there. So now if you threw it from 5 meters away, it will fall 1 meter away from there. And if you throw it with force, then it will go, hit the wall, it will come all the way back to you. A tennis ball or something, person is throwing it with force, it will hit that wall, it will come back all the way to you. So now it depends, this is now the same example of the emotions within us. It depends what we are throwing. If we are throwing, throwing is just the word now, meaning we are passing on. If we are giving, we are throwing good akhlaq, we are throwing positive emotions, we are throwing compassion, kindness, love, sincerity from the depth of our heart then this will come back. And this depends how much we throw. If you throw it very lightly, it will fall somewhere close by to the wall. The other person also, it will get affected to some point, but it will be very light effect. But if we really pour out compassion, mercy, kindness, affection to those who are junior to us, to those who are our equals in some whatever we might understand in outwardly, those who are senior to us, our parents, our elders, our muallimas, our friends, then this must come back. This mercy, this compassion, this kindness, this love, it must come back. When we've thrown it with that force. But the one important thing is that that ball must be inflated. If you threw that ball, but it wasn't inflated, it'll be flat. It'll hit that wall with a thud and it'll fall right there. And that will be the end of it. It won't come anywhere. So what will this be inflated with? It must be inflated with ikhlas, with sincerity. Provided it's inf- if it's just a show, it's just an outward thing, then it's going to be a flat. It's there, the, the structure is there, but it's flat. It's going to hit the wall and it will fall flat right there, finish. But if it is inflated with ikhlas, then that ikhlas is what? Now he's going to make it go and rebound again and bring it back. So when this will be given, this love, this compassion, this mercy, this kindness, this affection, will be given with ikhlas, only for the pleasure of Allah wa ta'ala. And even where there has been negativity, but we are practicing on the hadith of Nabi Wasallam that, وَأَحْسِنْ إِلَى مَنْ أَسَاءَ إِلَيْكِ that somebody has treated you wrongly, you return their ill treatment with good treatment. So now we are throwing kindness, compassion, love, mercy. It must come back. How long is it not going to come back? Provided it is inflated with sincerity. It is being done for Allah Ta'ala alone. Not for any other motive. Not just to try and get something out of the person. No, for Allah alone. And Allah Ta'ala loves this dearly. And Allah Ta'ala controls the hearts of people.
So when we will give with sincerity, Allah Ta'ala will turn the hearts of people with sincerity. And Allah Ta'ala will turn their hearts with love and compassion towards us. And if we keep giving of negativity, outwardly we might be maybe putting up a different front, but if our heart is filled with negativity, our heart has malice, our heart has ill feeling, our heart has anger against somebody, our heart has some other dirt regarding somebody in our heart. So now this is what we are actually giving. Though outwardly we might be giving some smile, outwardly we might be speaking in a nice way, outwardly we might be saying some very, very uh, good things, some very good, kind words. But that kind words, that smile, that uh, compassionate gestures is all being inflated with insincerity. So, when it's inflated with insincerity, it's like filling inside that ball, you're filling lead in it. That lead will cause more damage. I mean, you throw that ball, it's not going to bounce back at you at all. Rather, that is going to cause more damage. It's going to hurt the next person more. The words might be very nice and very flowery, and it might sound like a beautiful thing you're saying, but it is being filled with lead. That lead is that insincerity. There's malice. It is being said outwardly flowery, but inside you're filling malice in it. You're pushing your anger somehow in it. Then even that falls flat, in fact, it causes more hurt. And then you say, well, I said such a nice thing, and that person still reacted dif- differently. Because it was your negativity in it. So let us take that negativity out. And we are all the servants of Allah Ta'ala. We all are here in this dunya for a very short period of time. We all have to go back to answer for our deeds on the day of Qiyamah. Now the person who has this day of Qiyamah in front all the time, that I go to answer for my deeds. And these small little things in this world, I go to live in a manner that I grow beyond it. I am not caught up in these minor things. And I need to give with sincerity. I need to give with complete ikhlas. Give love, compassion, mercy, kindness with complete ikhlas. Then we will see how the hearts of others will be turned positively. Not that we should do it to turn their hearts towards us in a positive way so that we get something out of them. No, only for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. But this dunya is a test, so everything won't happen in one moment. It won't happen in one day. It won't happen overnight. But we continue doing the right thing. And we see how everything will happen for the better for us. And this is the principle Allah Ta'ala already put in the Quran Sharif, where Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is being addressed, فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ That it is out of the mercy of Allah Ta'ala that you are very soft-natured with them. Now what is a soft nature? This is that positivity. This is one part of it. It was the complete akhlaq of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That the soft nature that you had with them was part of your good akhlaq. And this is that positivity. And you gave positivity, they all now were attached to you. Otherwise, had this positivity been missing, وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَزَّنْ غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبِ لَنْفَضُّ مِنْ حَوْلِكِ Had you adopted a negative approach, and negativity, غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبِ Then they all would have scattered. Nobody would have come close by. 
So we learn this lesson that we have to be positive. And it starts off within the four walls of our home. We keep giving positivity towards our parents. We adopt what Nabi Islam adopted with his enemies. With his enemies, that couplet which, I don't know the exact wording of it, but that couplet which somebody said in Urdu, that jisne kante diye usko phool diya. Jisne kante bichaye usko phool diya. That those who threw thorns in the path of Nabi Sallallahu he gave them flowers in return. They gave him thorns, he gave them flowers in return. Now this is the challenge of the time. And this is the lesson of the day. That who is going to imbibe in their heart this lesson? Who is going to make this resolution? Who is going to say tomorrow I want to stand alongside my Nabi Sallallahu I want his shafaat and intercession. I want him to intercede on my behalf that I should also be granted Jannat without any reckoning, without having to go through Jahannam. I want to go straight to Jannat. And I want Jannatul Firdaus. So I want the intercession of my Nabi Wasallam. So I am going to now emulate him. I am going to imitate him. I am going to follow in his footsteps. What he did, he gave flowers to those who gave thorns. So from today, this is going to be my motto. From today, this is going to be my policy. From today, this is going to be my attitude. From today, this is going to be my manner. That I am going to give flowers to whoever gives thorns. If my parents, I think in my mind, in reality, 99.9% of the time, they are not giving us thorns. They are correcting us. They are reprimanding us to correct us for our good. They are correcting us so that we become better people. We may be able to learn what is correct etiquette. We may be able to understand what is beneficial to us, what is harmful. Yes, sometimes in going about that, maybe some might get carried away, they might overstep the mark. Some might go about it in an inappropriate manner. The objective is correct, but the manner might have been inappropriate. All that in its place. But they heart of heart, they have our well-being. They, in their hearts of hearts, they want to do what is best for us. So we are going to appreciate that. And we are going to give flowers in return for thorns. In our mind it's a thorn. So then too we are going to give flowers in return. And here this is not an optional thing. When it comes to our parents, it is not an optional thing. The Quran Sharif has said to us, لا تقل لهما أفن. You don't dare give any thorns in return. Forget thorns. Don't even give something that is going to be the slightest amount of any inconvenience. Don't even say oof to them. That ha. Oof. That ha. That too don't even say to your parents. So now, when this is going to be the condition that I have adopted this as my policy, this as my manner, this as my attitude, with parents, with any senior, with those who are my equals, that I am going to give flowers in return for thorns before long and before we realize it, we will be giving small flowers and in return people will be giving us big flowers. But it starts off on this note that we keep giving flowers in return for thorns and we will see how this is that ball now that we inflated with ikhlas, provided it's inflated with ikhlas. Then that ball of compassion, of love, of mercy, of kindness, 
when people throw that to others with sincerity, inflated with sincerity, that is what will come back to us. That love will come back. Sincere love. Not just make-believe. Not just something for the sake of show. Sincerity. Sincere love. Sincere compassion. Sincere kindness. Sincere good feeling. Sincere well-wishing. This is what will come back. And this is what we will then reap. But it starts off with us. What we give is what we will get. But again, just to keep in mind, dunya is a test. And now we gave one bit of good words and we already like a person. Like sometimes it is explained like this, that a person performs tahajjud one night and now he's waiting for Jibreel Salatu Salam to come and take him from the Araj. Performed one night, tahajjud, by chance he woke up and now he's waiting for Jibreel Salatu Salam to come and take him from the Araj. Whereas Allah's Nabi Sallallahu what difficulties he had to undergo and he undertook all that. Then finally the time came for Mi'raj. Now that Mi'raj was a mu'jiza of Rasulullah Sallallahu Nobody else is going to go in that manner. But our Mi'raj is that we will gain the love of Allah Ta'ala, we will gain his muhabbat, we will gain his ta'aluk and we will become his special servants and that special mercy of Allah Ta'ala will shower down upon us, which will make our dunya also a place of great happiness for us, a place of great contentment and serenity and joy for us, and the akhirat is what we cannot even imagine. But where will all this come from? This will start when we have that fear of accountability. Now this is, we digressed on this whole issue of the parents as an example. The lesson that we were discussing was the fear of accountability. When a person has this, then the person will be careful about every step, about every word, let alone every step and every word, every hidden action also, and every thought as well. On this every hidden action too, there's one ajeeb incident that Ibn Jawzi has written, there was one trader, one cloth merchant who was a very wealthy person in Baghdad. So, he was married, he was very attached to his wife, his family, he had a child also. Any case, some time passed, in a lengthy incident, I'm just getting to the crux of it, the long and short of it is that he was, he eventually married for a second time. Now this is permissible, a person can get married to up to four wives, though he has to be just. There are two separate issues here. One is whether he should do it or not. Then the mashayikh of the time say that it is a very difficult task to really live up to. Those who can live up to it, it's up to them. But it's something very difficult, so they should be very, very careful about undertaking such a thing. That is one thing. But the other part of it is, that in our heart of hearts we must have no reservation against some permission that Allah Ta'ala has given. It's a different thing that we feel uncomfortable about something on a human nature level. But on an aqidah level, on a belief level, in terms of the aspect of what is the command of the Quran Sharif, then we must have no reservation that something Allah Ta'ala has made permissible that is permissible. So in any case, that's another issue altogether. The thing is that he got married a second time very secretly. 
which is wrong, that should never happen, you should never ever get married secretly. Any case has happened. So time passed, several months passed, and nobody knew what was going on. But his wife sensed that something is not the same. He used to go every day after Zohar Salah, and he used to visit his second wife. The rest of the time then he used to be at his home. So nobody really knew anything, but his wife sensed something. So after some months had passed, one day she said to the maid, that tomorrow when my husband leaves in the morning to go to work, you must follow him, and you observe him the whole day, and you report to me what happens. So in any case, she did this, in the morning when this person left for work, she quietly followed him, the maid followed him, she saw he went straight to his business, he's occupied, she stayed quietly somewhere, observing, the time for Zohar came, he went to the masjid, so she also is observing quietly from the outside somewhere, when he left from the masjid, she started following him again, now she sees he's taking a different road, he came to a certain house, he went in, so she went to the neighbor's house, she was a very smart maid, she went to the neighbor's house, and on some pretext, she went in, sat down, started speaking, found out who lives here, and who lives there, and who's next door, and in any case, she dug out all the information, that next door is this some young lady that lives there, and she has been married recently to this uh, cloth merchant, about six months ago she got married, etc. So all this information came out. In any case, she came straight to the her master, her employee, her employer, well it was slavery at that time, so her master, and she gave the whole detail that he is now married to this lady. So the first wife said to this maid, that you keep totally quiet about this day you ever tell anybody very well she also kept totally quiet about it she didn't make it known in any way that she knew what was going on and she continued like nothing happened and carried on in her normal way laughing, joking pleasant life carried on what was going on in her heart only she knows what sabr she was making only she knows time passed and eventually after a year or two this person passed away now when this person passed away, all his wealth was in the control, because it was in this house, the house of his first wife, so it was in her control. Now there was only one young child, so now she did the distribution. So she took all this money and she worked out the, what is the shares. So he had one son and one wife. So the wife, well two wives in her mind, so the wife shares takes one eighth, and the son gets the balance so there was 7,000 dinars 7,000 gold coins that came to the son's share she put it aside because young child then 1,000 dinars was the one-eighth or however it was any case the one-eighth was 1,000 dinars so now the one-eighth because there were two wives it needs to be shared between the two so she took 500 gold coins and she put it in a little bag of 500 gold coins this is like 500 Kruger rands it's a big amount of money and she called that maid she says you know where this place was who that person was nobody else knows and my husband has passed away so my guess is he didn't tell anybody else anything and this is another place probably they don't even know him nobody else knows him 
you go to that lady and tell her, number one, tell her that your husband has passed away. Maybe she's not even aware of this. Number two, that being the wife of the deceased, you also share in the one-eighth. This is your share of the inheritance. Now imagine what sabr she made because this was a bad thing to have done that he got married secretly like this. It was like a stab in the back. Though what he did was permissible but he went about it the wrong way. So, and in any case, as human nature, it's a very difficult thing for a wife to accept that the husband now has got a second wife. So what sabr she made and she didn't even let it know, be known that she knows about it. So that was additional sabr. She didn't give vent to her feeling in any way. So now when the time came and all the money was in her hand, what is the normal temptation? That nobody knows about it. That woman doesn't know anything about it. She doesn't even know how much money got left. Let me keep it for myself. That's a temptation. But she had the fear of accountability. She put this money in that bag, 500 gold coins. And she sent it off with the maid. That maid came, knocked on the door. She was asked to come in. She sat down. And she asked, she knew now, this is the lady. So she said firstly, that I have come to give you the news that your husband who was the cloth merchant, he has passed away. So now when this news was given, this lady didn't know. So she started crying. Then this maid took out that little bag of 500 gold coins and she says that this is the first wife of that cloth merchant who passed away. She sent this, this is your share of the inheritance. That 1,000 dinars, 1,000 gold coins was the one-eighth and the one-eighth now needs to be divided between the two wives. So your share is 500. They, this is your bag. The money of 500 gold coins is in here. When she presented this bag of the gold coins, this lady woke up and she went to a cupboard and she brought out a piece of paper, some page. And she showed this maid. She says, look, there is this page. This is the proof that I'm no more, I was no more the wife of that person. He had divorced me. And he had given that divorce in writing. And this is that page where he wrote that divorce. So before he passed away, I was already divorced. So as a result, I am not an heir. And since I am not an heir, I am not entitled to this 500 gold coins. 500 gold coins. Nobody else knew that she was divorced. Only she knew and the husband that divorced her knew. And that husband passed away. And if she wanted, she could have quietly kept it. That lady wanted, she could have quietly kept it, but she sent it. This lady wanted, she could have kept it for herself, but she refused to accept it. It's not mine. You take it and give it back to that first wife of the person that passed away. This all belongs to her. Subhanallah. Can we imagine what taqwa these people had? And what fear of accountability they had? That tomorrow on the day of Qiyamah, I will have to answer for this money. Where did this come from? Were you entitled to it? Was it yours? It's very easy to take it and keep it now. But I have to answer on the day of Qiyamah. Now who can do this? That person who has the consciousness, is all the time conscious, I have to stand in front of Allah Ta'ala tomorrow and give an account of my deeds. Otherwise, a person would do anything, will say anything, will just think anything. On this, on this issue of thinking, will just... One short incident and finish off on this. Imam Abu Yusuf Rahmatullah who was the student of Imam Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah he was the judge. He was the Qazi al the chief justice. And he was very fair. 
very just. There were occasions when he even summoned the king of the time, Harun Rashid, to his court to answer the claim. Now he is on his deathbed and he is being very, he is very, very emotional. He is crying and he is very concerned. They asked him, what's the problem? He says, Alhamdulillah. And he is so to say now, also communicating Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah, you are aware that whenever any case came to me, I passed the judgment with complete justice to the best of my ability. I did not even incline to any one party. I gave the judgment in fairness. But there was this one occasion when a Christian citizen made a claim against Harun Rashid, the king of the time, and a very great king of the time. And Qazi Abu Yusuf, Imam Abu Yusuf, he summoned Harun Rashid, that you come and answer the claim. Now, the claim was made, Harun Rashid is answering, Imam Abu Yusuf, investigated the whole case, and he passed the judgment after seeing all the facts, he passed the judgment in favor of the Christian citizen, the Christian subject. And against the king, against the king who is ruling over him also, he passed the judgment. This is how fair he was. So he says, but you passed the judgment against the king of the time and you made him accept what you got to worry about. He says, no, no, no. I passed the judgment in the light of whatever the facts were. But when this case came to me, at that time, in my heart, it was my desire and hope that this case comes out in the favor of Harun Rashid. But when I saw the facts, and when I investigated the whole thing, then I realized, no, it's not in his favor. It's in favor of the Christian, the subject. And therefore, I passed the ruling accordingly. But now I am concerned that why did I have this desire in my heart initially, that I hope that this comes out in the favor of Harun Rashid. I am now worried on the day of Qiyamat, Allah Ta'ala may ask me, that before you even looked into the matter, before you even investigated the issue, before you even heard what is the details, why did you entertain this thought and desire that Harun Rashid should be the correct one? You should have waited to see what is the reality, what are the facts, why did you already have this inclination to one direction? I am worried about this, that on the day of Qiyamah, Allah Ta'ala will ask me about this, and what answer will I have? Subhanallah. And when he said this, he broke down into tears again and he started sobbing again this is how moved he was and this is how concerned he was that I had this inclination towards one party whereas I still didn't see the facts and figures I still didn't see the reality of the case subhanallah what fear of Allah Ta'ala these people had now what will make a person think about this what will make a person concerned about this can only be the fear of accountability I have to stand on the day of Qiyamah otherwise nothing else can make a person move in this direction we will do things, we will say things, we think things, we make judgments in our hearts, we pass conclusions, we jump to conclusions, we harbor certain feelings about people, thoughts about people, and all based on nothing. And it doesn't even cross our mind that I will be questioned about this on the day of Qiyamah. We pass comments about people, we do whatever we want and say whatever we want, we act in whichever way we want, with our parents, with our elders, with our muallimas, with our friends, with those who are junior to us, younger than us, but we are just unconcerned about what we are saying, what we are thinking, what decisions we are making, what 
kind of feelings we are harboring, what kind of judgments we are making, what kind of conclusions we are jumping to, and nothing bothers us, because this fear of accountability is very weak. We believe in the day of judgment, we believe in accountability, but it is like, well, I'll get away, and it won't really affect me, because of the weakness of this faith, therefore we have all these issues coming up, this is what we have to strengthen, this is what we have to bring alive, the fear of accountability, standing on the day of Qiyamah, and answering for our deeds. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us this reality. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk. Anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu. Rabbana walamna anfusana wa illam taghfil lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin. اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله رب العالمين